Welcome everyone to episode 4 of Cartellian Clamor and this is the second try of recording episode 4 due to technical difficulties with the previous version and we're now almost one week away but together we have two more regular members of the cartel please introduce yourself oh right and i'm christian salen writer of cyborg etc and host for the day and i'm Johan noor who is making a lot of art stuff for mercury and cyborg amongst other things and I'm the retired uh, astrologist, uh, also uh, known as Carl Nibleus, uh, writer and designer of uh, Death in Space. You sound so old when you call yourself retired. <laughs> but I'm the youngest, uh, just so everyone knows. I'm the youngest. Exactly. In this, uh, but we have someone else here as well who isn't usually involved in these uh, situations. Like, and is not the youngest, uh, no. but the youngest member of Stockholm Cartel. Please introduce yourself. Tonight I'm the oldest one. I'm Pelle Nilsson. I'm the writer of uh, Merkborg. I've heard about that game. Yes. Yeah. It sounds cool. Ah, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Nah, yeah. it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. And you're finally home in the, in, in the cartel. Yeah, it, it, it took a while, but since uh, six or seven weeks or something like that, I'm in a part of, a, of the cartel. Yeah. yeah, it's a big day. Yeah. We had a strange situation where uh, we thought uh, Pelle didn't want to join and he thought uh, we didn't want to have him. Yeah, that it was, uh, the club was full, so to speak. Both things can be true. And yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe we only hear the <laughs> explanations after the fact. <laughs> true. But still, yeah, nice to have you uh, in the family. Yeah, thanks. Exactly. In the coven. And yes. you got your back patches and everything. So for the next con we went, we are going to, you're going to look as fabulous as the rest of us. Yeah, that's true. I am uh, really working hard on my, my best. Good. Perfect. Yeah. And speaking of con is what we're doing tonight. Uh, we're, we're talking about GenCon because the four of us are here because we all went together to GenCon in Indianapolis a yeah. month or so back now. A month yeah, back. Yeah, exactly months, one month. Yeah. Back, yeah. On, on this day of recording. Um, Better late than never, away. at least. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. That's true. Yeah, we went to GenCon, and uh, that was quite the experience. Uh, we, you know, it was, it was. something of a, of a, um, what do you call it? A bucket list thing for me, at least, to go there. Definitely, uh, absolutely. So, for all it's pretty cool yeah. to bring part of the cartel over. And we went there as um, part of, um, or invited by uh, Fria Ligan, the Free League. And so we hang around in their booth uh, with their own little section in there. Uh, yeah. We went to their symposium or, or Sh showcase, showcase. Uh, and talked a bit about our games and when the Free League were, were showing off all of their hundreds of games they are releasing <laughs> and, and have released. That's the um, feeling. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it feels kind of like that. They're doing a lot. Yeah. Uh, keep releasing great stuff. So 
uh, that's the free ad the free league gets this, this <laughs> the one yep. session, I guess. <laughs> moving on the, the one and only. <laughs> moving on no, no. Uh, that was that was fun yeah. uh, even though we had some technical issues with the sound which i think only added to our bits though uh, yeah the, you were the, the only ones uh, actually benefiting from that yeah there, there were yeah. lots of uh, noise and uh, feedback and uh, weird noises uh, yeah it completely fitting for me to talk about cyborg with those noises but but when i when we come came that far it was they already fixed mostly fixed yeah, yeah. yeah. unfortunately <laughs> exactly no that was nice so we had we had this little corner in their booth uh, that was luckily shrinking uh, for every day so because we sold a bunch of stuff and there was a lot of people right. coming yeah, over yeah. and uh, saying hi to us it was a bit it was a bit crowded on both sides of the yeah, table yeah but uh, that's that's how we like it, I guess. So maybe maybe we want to have some more space next year, but we'll see what happens. We, we absolutely need more space yeah. in, in in their booth or uh, something um, yeah. for our stuff. But uh, otherwise, they are a friendly bunch and um, yeah, I think nice they uh, took care of us uh, in an excellent way. And uh, also, the, they had a couple of. Uh, guys working for them in the booth that really helped us out and uh, yeah and especially you Kalle yes we'll get to that later yeah yeah Uh, what else did we do um we walked around we st- i mean mostly we stood stood in the booth but we took some strolls around you know just experiencing the massive scale of the con um and the people exhibiting and selling their stuff and the unfortunate souls who had to sit in there and play games in the big uh, big room <laughs> the big noisy room but uh and you know we had some n- nice uh, food and drinks out on in the in the town um, yeah downtown indianapolis it's yeah, the place what a to gem. be, right? <laughs> what a gem, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, no, I, yeah. we did find some nice beer. We did find some nice coffee. Yes. Yep. Uh, yep. Out about <laughs> yeah. in the city. For some reason, we decided to not go with the Gen Con specials. Uh, but, what do you mean? Uh, no, they had uh, you know the I don't remember. The oh, names, all the but, different uh, rebranded like the, or like renamed things. Yeah, you mean that? Oh, uh, I, yeah. Golden Orc <laughs> Coffee. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not that, but <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, you have to really, really understand that this is aimed for you, nerds. Get this coffee. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly, but not yeah. for us. Uh, I will just have the cold brew, not the D and D cold brew, just the the regular one. <laughs> Yeah. And for people who've never been to Yenkon it or Indianapolis, it kind of felt like the entire downtown Indianapolis was just just Yenkon mm. uh, yeah. extended. Really, fifty <clears throat> percent of the people you meet on the streets wear a badge, and seventy five percent of everyone in a restaurant wear a badge, and everything is themed and so on. Yeah. Very much so. Very, f- very different from how we're used to in Sweden, I think. Yes. Where when there's a con, it's very, very isolated to that place in the city. And so yeah, let's let, let's do a quick quick comparison. And <laughs> how does a con work in Sweden so, compared to Yenkon? Quick comparison: this, the size. Yeah. <laughs> size. <laughs> very yeah. easy. First point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite different. Yeah. Our our biggest con in Sweden, uh, I think, our biggest RPG. Um, 
focused mm. or not focused but, but gaming and uh, not focused on cosplay or computer gaming is, is gothcon in gothenburg every easter where we usually attend and that's like one and a half to two thousand people mm. and I think some someone said that Gencon this year had about fifty thousand, and that was not a huge Gencon. Uh, so it's, uh, I mean, it's a bit bigger. It's a I bit guess. bigger, yeah. It's yeah. Also, the the whole vibe is a bit different because uh, in Sweden it's mostly about primarily playing games, and then there's some people also selling games there. Whilst here, it seems like it's the other way around in a way. So it's more of a trade show or. A, Exhibition, I mean, of, of publishers selling their stuff. And then you can also play if you really want to, but at least that's the, um, that's the impression that I got for it. No, uh, Swedish cons are usually like run by volunteers and uh, often young volunteers. Uh, so it's not really the, the companies that kind of run the, the cons. It's no. uh, more of a volunteer effort and uh, quite different exactly. in how it feels just from that. Non-profit organizations yeah. aimed yeah. at like youth clubs, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, very non-corporate. Yeah. And very this, non-corporate. Yeah. yeah. And this biggest one in Sweden, Gothcon, is uh, always held in a in a school in a school building. So it's uh, also different in that way because you kind of sit and play games in classrooms and mm. uh, not in a hotel uh, conference area. No, or in this giant hall where yeah. there's 2,000 well, people playing at the same I time. I didn't even consider that you can actually do that uh, because I can't really get it into my head that you can do that. But apparently I saw it happen now that you mention it. Uh, yeah. yeah. What else did we do? We went to another, uh, all of us went to, to one other uh, panel. Yes. We went to a panel um, run by some amazing people from our Merkborg community who, it was weirdly enough, I think, uh, it was a panel about publishing third-party Merkborg titles. And uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we couldn't um, stay for the entire duration because we, um, uh, even though we only had two things we really wanted or needed to go to, they were both scheduled at pretty much the same time on the same day. But we, we managed to be there for like half an hour 45 minutes or something 45 minutes then we had to leave for the other panel yeah and that yeah. was pretty cool i mean it was yeah. a weird experience i think uh, but mm. p- pretty nice uh, and i think uh, that there were a lot of um, valuable and, and interesting things being discussed there uh, after we left <laughs> behind our backs <laughs> now it's really nice i think when they dared to tell the truth, no, yeah, exactly. I think they, 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 they seem to be uh, doing fine even when we were there. So yes, um, probably okay. But it was, I also no. went to. No, sorry, yeah, go sorry. Go. Okay. Um, I also went to a podcast recording. Uh, I went to Ken and Robin talks about stuff, uh, except Robin wasn't there, um, so they had two stand-in Robins. And uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, I always listen to Ken and Robin, and they started the episode by insulting Swedes. So um, <laughs> I didn't start. ask a question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenneth Hyde is uh, is actually uh, returning in this podcast later. Maybe more on that later. Yes, mm, yes. exactly. <clears throat> uh, special appearance. 
by him and others. Um, right. We also one th- one more thing we did. We played a game. We actually got True. the opportunity to sit down and play, uh, which was nice. And we played some weird, strange game yeah. that I've never heard about no. before. No, by a weird, strange really? person. Mm. Yes. Uh, and to elaborate further, we played the game from Frontier <laughs> Scum uh, by yeah. by uh, Carl Druid, uh, published by Games Omniverse, and it's. I think it started out as a Mercboy hack, but it it has since um, departed from that rule set and setting and become its own thing. But I think the style and the tone is similar still. Uh, Absolutely, very humorous, uh, maybe more so than Mercboy. I think maybe. Um, and yeah, like an acid western role-playing game, uh, but a lot of fun. Yeah, and the western acid western role-playing game from Tears Gum, made by Carl Druid, and we played it together. Or um, uh, Walton Wood, uh, editor and the famous Murkborg community uh, Luminaire. persona. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, ran it for us and we played it together with Ian the Cannibal and Ashley. Uh, and we had a great time. <laughs> uh, and we actually got to play it in a yeah, some some conference room or uh, yeah, conference room in a small yes. uh, in a hotel a bit away from the con, so we didn't have Very to sit nice. with two twenty thousand other gamers at the same time. Oh, now that was nice. I actually get a break from the big mess hall and just get a room mm. and play some games, have some fun shenanigans with with you guys. It's it's fun. Lots of laughs. Yeah, we had a lot yes. of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the game really invites uh, to that. As you said, it's a humorous game, but in a good way. Yeah, my first game for maybe six months or something. <laughs> so it was it was great. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, it's been it's been a night. But we um, yeah we, we did a lot of stuff uh, and we have a lot of experiences like good and bad from from uh, the con. Uh, so maybe we should maybe we should do some moving there moving on yeah. on the schedule no, to no, no. exactly <laughs> next topic <laughs> so i want to hear something good and uh, if you want something less good with the jencon trip and experience should we start with kale okay sure <laughs> um I'll start. That's good because then I can do the one that everyone wants to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yes. the nice thing, uh, probably the nicest thing with Gen Con is to meet a lot of people and to kind of, uh, of course, hear them talk about your game and hear that they like it. That's, of course, very nice. What can I say? But um, just meeting people, talking about RPGs uh, and just kind of getting to know the American uh, community a bit more and just understanding how how this industry works in the US. uh, That's really the high point for me, definitely. And just uh, seeing the the kind of the the huge scale of this uh, of this thing Uh, and all the people, all the booths, all the games that you've never heard of uh, Mm. and the games that you have heard of that you really wanted to uh, buy or just uh, talk to the person who made it and yeah all of that is just definitely the best thing um, also playing Frontier Scum was really a lot of fun I think I'm really glad that we actually got to play something during the con and 
okay. Number yeah. for me. That's it. <laughs> no, no. Okay, let's take the let's take a, another lap with the bombers and, and move yeah. on. Yes. Pelle. Yeah, I enjoyed. I really enjoyed the atmosphere. I was spending quite a lot of time in the booth actually because I wanted to be there. Uh, but uh, I, every time I went away and enjoyed the atmosphere, meeting a lot of people, and then I came back, it was always like. A, a queue there and uh, oh there you are uh, someone want to talk to you and uh, uh, so that was really great uh, to meet all the people and uh, yeah I, I've seen a lot of faces on Facebook but now it was real people that and I so that was that was really great uh, that was the best thing for me I guess to, to meet all the people I yeah yeah, hmm? I agree yeah. totally. To see the faces of people that you've collaborated yeah. with and worked with over the years. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, yeah. How about you, Christian? Oh, I think I mean the, the the obvious thing is what you both have mentioned: meeting people and so on. Um, I think for me, I think that we had some great nights as well uh, outside of the the convention uh, and if we're gonna highlight one of them i think the the evening or, or night we spent walking for for too long or further than than we had nights before and ended up uh, together with uh, chris bizet uh, ended up at some kind of uh, brew burger place uh, where we had nice beers and nice burgers for and and the beers were half the price compared to the rest of indiana the indianapolis downtime was a nice experience just actually getting away from the con and uh, be able to enjoy some nice food and drinks together with awesome people yeah that was really great um, I think for me, like you've already said the, all the good stuff, I think. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think just the first day when we landed in Indianapolis the, in, at the airport and we sat down in the airport, we had our first beer and we just f- finally re- reached our destination. And then um, we met up with um, Walton Wood, which, who we mentioned before. Uh, and I just felt that okay, now it's this thing is starting. It's beginning. It's that there's so much promise and potential in in the moment here. It can only get worse from now. But it was uh, it was it was really fun. I think it was like uh, it was a nice feeling. So and you were we young. Got, you I had was young. For the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had high hopes. Un, unspoiled and you know um, naive. Yeah. Yeah. Naive, yeah. And then we got kidnapped by um, uh, by uh, Dom to Rudolf's <laughs> And that was the end of that. Uh, Into yeah. a mysterious van outside of the airport. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with a sign that said, the van? The van, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. And then it just went downhill from there, I guess. Or? No, or up, no. Uphill, it's uphill, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah, no, it just got better. Speaking of downhill, <laughs> so bombers. I think uh, uh, Kalle should start here. I think Kalle should start uh, okay. as well. Yeah, sure. I have a story. Uh, yeah, so I was going to uh, extend my trip a bit and uh, take a road trip in the south. Uh, 
And I was going to start by taking a Greyhound bus to uh, Nashville. Turns out, uh, apparently, you shouldn't really use Greyhound uh, because the buses don't show up and no one can tell you why. And uh, yeah, I learned that the hard way. So I, um, on the last day of the con, when I was supposed to be on a bus to Nashville, I uh, there was no bus. So I went back to the con, uh, went to the free league booth, uh, the nice guys there, Doug and John, they kind of took care of me a bit, this uh, confused Swedish guy. Uh, and I got kind of one extra day at Gen Con, and I got to be invited into this uh, secret or not so secret uh, brotherhood of uh, those people who have been at Gen Con at the end, actually breaking everything down, you know, down on the floor, sweating. Uh, breaking down tables uh, uh, of course they have turned off the ac at that point uh, it's dark it's hot and yeah but it's uh, it's a nice group of people uh, you should try to be included if if you're allowed um, so <laughs> yeah, that you was make kind it sound of very special and, yeah and, no no that, yeah, that esoteric was very special you really missed something <laughs> yeah when do you get to the bummer part the <laughs> exactly <laughs> no but i mean uh, of course not knowing how you uh, you're gonna get between two cities because of a, a bus company that didn't really do what they they should have done uh that was of course really a low point for me uh, in the end it worked out i think other people on this trip had uh, worse traveling experiences than me uh, because i even got a ride to in a nice car to nashville the next day so it kind of all worked out and thanks a lot to john and dog for doug for that uh but uh yeah as the low point there is kind of waiting for a bus that never shows up and uh, learning that you have made a mistake as a naive swede trying to uh or believing that you can actually trust uh, in the bus system and the trains and things like that or planes or planes um, yeah because because the rest of us were were gonna fly uh, to chicago from from indianapolis uh, on our way home and uh, i was having breakfast at my hotel uh, when i got an email saying your plane is on time <laughs> and thought that's nice that's good no no need to worry and then seven minutes later i got the email saying <laughs> oh. your plane is cancelled oh, scratch that <laughs> <laughs> exactly record scratch nope, nope. cancelled and and we were traveling yeah me and Johan and Pelle and uh, Matthias Symbarum Matthias were traveling together and we're kind of prepared of this uh, so we actually just got a cab instead and, and that was a great experience it was, was a really nice yeah yeah <laughs> it was the, a nice the, drive I re- really enjoyed it a nice three and a half hour drive or something like yeah, a little um, road trip through yeah, yeah. the mid- yeah. midwest Four people in the back of a cab without air conditioning, <laughs> yeah. uh, stopping for 30 minutes uh, to get station. gas and drinks uh, and waiting for our driver to I mean, do if, some if, unholy If you ritual. gotta go, you gotta go for, for 30 <laughs> minutes. That's, you know. Yeah, 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 minutes is okay. Yeah, no, that was nice <laughs> to see like, like what the countryside of the... It was kind of similar to southern Sweden in a way, with all the uh, wind power 
plants turbines turbines yeah, yeah and uh the turbines yeah all the roads but the roads were a bit different uh, you know the, the big uh, american the, 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 the concrete concrete yeah roads. so yeah that was nice we got to see chicago from a distance as well so yeah pretty nice absolutely from a distance yeah <laughs> and so so yeah the, the bad part was not the drive uh absolutely not the the bad part was a certain air company called United uh, who I shouldn't mention uh, who fucked us over and yeah. not only us and not only that flight no nope. Jesus Christ <laughs> um, almost everyone we talked to at the con had some kind of domestic flight issue yeah, uh, yeah. or so so we weren't alone S- sort that out come on yeah exactly. you, have, you have one job literally how about the rest of you bummers i mean it feels kind of bad to to end on a low point here but i think i agree with you that was that was a bummer but it turned out nice perhaps like i mean if you're going to complain about something you might as well complain about the weather i think the heat (laughs) was a bit uh, too much for me it was nice to be indoors in the air-conditioned uh, convention but as soon as you stepped outside you would like blasted with this uh, mm. summer heat uh, it's also that feeling of being in an air-conditioned room you, you kind of forget that this is not the normal situation no, exactly and then you get out into the so-called normal situation and you remember oh yes. very very vividly <laughs> yeah you remove the face mask and go outside into the into the heat into this sauna burning it it was um no it was definitely a a a good reason to stay at the con to not venture outside yeah so someone should get that sorted out (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah it's kind of working the other way around now you know it's kind of getting warmer so yeah yeah. fat chance but if we move gen con yes to physically and uh, temporally (laughs) <laughs> to, to a different uh, climate zone <laughs> what do you call it yeah. Yeah. what about Alaska I mean I've always wanted to go to Alaska I've never been there so yeah why not Svalbard Ooh, always yeah. wanted to go there as well exactly. always wanted to have a convention where you also have uh, like polar bears outside so that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah then you really don't <laughs> yeah. want to leave the convention no, exactly. <laughs> exactly you have to bring a rifle when you leave a convention you do yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. imagine just bringing 50,000 people to Svalbard <laughs> that would be yeah uh, never happened Pelle do you have any bummer? Uh, no, uh, not uh, it. Uh, like we mentioned, we have mentioned the heat and we have mentioned the, the city itself. It was quite a boring city. Yes. Uh, we, I was seeing a lot of, uh, you know, poor people sleeping on the streets. It was not a very nice sight. And uh, yeah, so that was maybe the bummer of, of the con. Uh, Everything else was actually quite nice. Uh, so, yeah, not much more to say there. Great, yeah. then we move on. And as we mentioned, uh, we're going to have some guests because while we were at the con, Kalle especially and 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 you one uh, mostly were the two heroes with uh Porta recorder, Porta studio, what do you call it? Handy recorder, portable recorder, yeah. yeah. Uh, who did some interviews with 
some game designers or other industry people that we hunted down in the ales of Yenkon mostly and uh, you're gonna hear some uh, rough recordings uh, when we uh, talk to people and ask them some deeply serious questions and and not so serious more or less yeah and some hilarious ones hopefully so before we start running those anyone got anything else to add All right, uh, now we have someone with us here. So, uh, could you tell us who are you and uh, why are you at Gen Con? My name is Andreas Walters and I am the executive publisher at Metal Weave Games. And we're here because we're selling our products. And what products might that be? Uh, we have a lot of lore books and a lot of 5e content as well as indie games that we've uh, sold, made and published. Uh, all right. I heard a rumor that you uh, designed uh, a uh, tabletop version of uh, Hyperlight Drifter, the video game. So could you tell us something about that? Like, uh, were there any challenges or things you learned from the process in translating a, a video game into a tabletop game? Yeah. So the whole experience has actually been really interesting because Hyperlight Drifter is a very abstract game. They don't tell you lore up front. And so it's and because it's pixel art, there's not a lot of details. So we have to, one, learn the true lore of the game from the creators themselves, and then uh, step forward into the abstract and see what can we show to players that embody the game while providing enough detail for a role-playing game, but not revealing everything that the game wants to not reveal. Uh, so there's a lot of... Um, interesting wordplay that we have to do, such as the drifter sickness, we turned into corruption and while giving it mechanics, but keeping it the vague sense of what the players experienced in the game. It's been a very tricky balance converting that. Very interesting. Okay, so switching topics a bit. So uh, what's your best tip for uh, GMing? Let the fun go on and improvise as you go. Um, once you get to good improvisation, uh, the rules don't matter as much as long as you have something to work with. You could use a goblin or a kobold, you just need stats, modify it as you go. If As long as you have something to work with, the players won't even notice and have a good time. Sounds great. So uh, do you have a game that you want to mention that you think does not get enough credit uh, apart from your own? Uh, I would honestly say Ryutama would be my biggest suggestion. It's a very... It challenges a lot of what people think in the Western tabletop audience. And it really just looks at a different way of storytelling that's not combat focused. Next to final question, what's the best barbarian movie? So movie with barbarians. I would say Chronicles of Riddick. I, I would say Riddick is a barbarian. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, finally, what's best in life? Sitting down after this convention because there's a lot of standing. Thanks for that. Who are you and why are you at GenCon? I'm Fred Malmberg and I head up Conan Properties. And we have a lot of gamers who are our fans. Uh, and you brought role-playing games to Sweden uh, 40 years ago with the game Drakar och Demoner, uh, which is now getting its first English translation and release uh, under the name Dragonbane. Uh, how does that make you feel? 
Oh, that's uh, Dragon Bane is a good title, but it's not Draco the Morning. I think they should have called it Draco the Morning. Maybe the Americans would have had a issue with that, but um, it makes me feel it, it, it's I can't forty years. Next question. <laughs> What is the best movie about barbarians? And you cannot say Conan. That's a trick question, but I will say Predator. Yeah, that's a that's a barbarian. That's a good. They're all barbarians. Yeah. And the final question: What's best in life? The obvious one is to crush your enemies, drive them before you, and see the lamentation of the women, or hear the lamentation of the women. <laughs> Thank you. Could you just for the listeners introduce yourself and uh, tell us why you are here at GenCon? Yeah, so my name is AC. I'm here with Indie Press Revolution. Uh, we're a distributor of small press role-playing games. Uh, we've got a booth, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks for that. Uh, so you're very much involved in the indie tabletop role-playing scene. Uh, so could you like, do you have you have identified any ongoing trends or developments that you would like to share? Uh, that you think are currently what's currently going on <laughs> yeah we're seeing a ton of zines come in right now as you're having sort of a renaissance almost in the tabletop gaming industry of like just a ton of new designers who are discovering just how easy it is to put out a game and make it into print so we've got like a ton of zines tons of like trifold pamphlets just small easy to run super interesting games all right, that sounds very interesting. And speaking of uh, releasing things, uh, so do you actually have any advice for indie developers who uh, want to publish something but don't really know where to start? Yeah, I mean, I always point people towards itch. Like, it's so easy to put your games up on itch. I've got games up on itch. Uh, and you can put them for, like, whatever price you want. And it's just as easy as uploading the digital file and putting it up there. And it's it's a really fantastic platform, especially for your first, like, little digital games. It's fantastic. Yes, agree. Uh, so you have a lot of games for sale at your booth here. So what's the strangest one that you sell, in your opinion? Yeah, um, I know we've got like 183 games with us this year, but definitely Four Ways to Die in the Future is a really interesting one. You've got the four games in there, uh, and the last game in the book is actually one that has no players. <laughs> so you are playing like this scenario where the first human contact that happens on this alien planet absolutely decimates all the life that's on it. So. You don't actually get to meet with the aliens. You don't get to know anything about their culture because you kill them all as soon as you arrive. So it's unfortunate, but very interesting. Yeah, that's. A, <laughs> I like that game, actually. Uh, so finally, what's best in life? <laughs> what's best in life? Um, good food, good friends, and a good game to play. That's perfect. Thank you. Next person up. So could you, for the listeners, introduce yourself? Uh, who are you and why are you here at Gen Con? Hey, everybody. My name is Brian Colon, and I'm at Gen Con because it is the best convention in the U.S. for anybody that plays games, role-playing or tabletop. It's our people. I hear that you have made a game called Vast Grim. And uh, so I'm a, one of the creators of Death in Space. And we sometimes hear from people like, oh, is this like Merc Bori in space? Uh, I don't think it is. But... Uh, Vast Grim is kind of Merkborian space. Uh, do you agree? And what's your thoughts about that? 
I agree, Death in Space is not Merkborg in space, and Baskrim totally is. I mean, I played Merkborg, and as soon as I played it and felt the book in my hands, I knew I had to sculpt something. And when I did the creature I created, it had to be a different setting. I wanted to play something weird space fantasy. Um, it's not hard science fiction. It's more weird space opera-y uh, and very gonzo-ish. So it has a lot of the same elements that Merkwar has, especially like the calendar of Necrobule. We have a calendar similar to that. Instead of miseries, we have torments, but there's a lot of similarities. But instead of the end of the world, it's the end of the universe. All right, sounds perfect. Uh, so what's one monster you cannot live without? I think the gelatinous cube, just because I have dove headfirst into one so many times and died so many miraculous ways, I couldn't live without it. <laughs> that sounds great. And uh, speaking of favorite things, uh, what's your favorite die? Favorite die? Uh, I think the D12. I think it's underutilized. Definitely agree with that one. It's the best platonic form. Uh, so finally, what's best in life? What's best in life? Getting to hang out with friends, meet new people and play games together. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Hi guys, I'm Tom from Themeborn. I'm the co-designer of Escape the Dark Castle and Escape the Dark Sector. All right, uh, very good. So <laughs> speaking of those games, uh, so they're Notoriously difficult. I don't know if you're aware, but uh, I played it several times and I don't think I've ever won the game. Uh, so why do we actually enjoy sending our characters to die these uh, dismal uh, or horrible deaths in these dismal places? Yeah, it's absolutely true. The, the games are set to a very high difficulty. That's, that's very deliberate. Um, I think what I tend to feel is, as a designer is that we want you to almost win every time. Rather, than, I think if you just win every time, you know, you maybe lose interest quite quickly, but there's something about almost winning and getting right to the end and just failing that that's addictive and you want to try again and come back and see if you can eventually crack it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's purposefully set to a difficult level um, and that that's really gives you the most enjoyable and the most uh, tension and suspense in the experience. Actually, completely agree with that. It, it does bring me back uh, over and over. Okay, so uh, have have you ever won the game? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, as the designers, perhaps we would say this, but we, we rarely lose it. <laughs> Honestly, um, there is while while there's some randomness and some dice rolling involved, there are absolutely optimal plays and kind of outcomes you can play for, which over the you know on the on the on the probability curve, you will gen you can generally hit those if you make optimum plays, um, and that will increase your win rate. And we we you know don't often lose it actually when we play. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, we're gonna let our listeners. Uh, figure out what those strategies are themselves so no spoilers uh, okay so if you were to go into a dark castle what's the one best piece of equipment you uh, could bring you think well i think if you're going into our dark castle you, you anything that gives you some re-rolls would be good <laughs> so you get some second chances um so that's a, that's the, the liquid luck potions that we have um but i think what you really need is um a sense of teamwork this this game is all about engine building and working together as a crew so a sense of teamwork um whether this is a, a real castle or our game you're gonna need to work together to get out of there all right so basically a couple of friends yeah uh, that's it yeah. okay finally uh what's best in life What's best in life? Finally escaping. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. All right. So we have another lamb for slaughter here. Uh, so could you just tell us for the listeners, who are you and why are you here at Gen Con? Cool. Hi, everybody. I'm Jarrett Crater uh, and uh, I 
projects manager at Exalt to Funeral Press. I'm also part of the editorial team on Merc Morg. I just did it. You see how I got really close to it? Um, I got really close. Uh, Merc Morey. I'm getting better. I know I've been practicing. Um, uh, and also, you know, a bunch of other RPGs and stuff. Uh, and I am here meeting and greeting a bunch of people, uh, hanging out with everybody, um, buying obscure card games like Wyvern. I don't know if anybody else has ever. Yep. See, look, listen to me making fads. Wyvern. Look it up, everybody. All right. Thanks for that tip. Uh, so uh, you're editing a lot of games. You basically edited probably a billion uh, books by now. So what's one grammatical quirk of the English language that you think more writers should be aware of? I wish people would take a little time and work on using colons, semicolons, in, in dashes, m dashes, dashes, and hyphens correctly. Um, if you want to, you can actually do like a Google search, when should I use a semicolon? And the answer is probably not ever. <laughs> that, that's a good tip, actually. And uh, yeah, correct. There are a number of uh, dashes that you should be aware of. Exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, grammatical rules and things like that, uh, Oxford comma, yes or no? So uh, when I first got back into RPGs about 10 years ago and started uh, punching people and being like, let me edit your shit, let me edit your shit, let me proofread it. I was super, super duper anti-Oxford comma. And then uh, I spent like eight years kind of being against that. Lately, I, I've, it's been provisional. I've changed my mind and I'm kind of going back to it when they're used correctly. But commas themselves are kind of iffy questions here and there so it's a it's a ask me on the day it changes constantly that's a great deep dive into the world of commas uh so what's uh changing topic here what's one piece of equipment you should uh, always carry with you in a dark dungeon should you ever get into one um, you need a knife or you need some source of fire. Um, on my person right now, in my bag, there are four different kinds of ways to start fire and probably five different kinds of knives or sharp edges or cutting implements. Uh, I don't have fingernails. I mean, my, I have fingernails, but I don't have long fingernails and so I can't cut or tear or open anything. So I have different knives for different projects. And then who doesn't love to burn stuff, right? Totally. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and uh, what's the best movie about barbarians? The best movie about barbarians is a movie that a lot of people might not have ever seen. It's called Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. Uh, I, it's far future space sci-fi um, guy goes, it stars Molly, co-stars Molly Ringwald uh, of, you know, Breakfast Club, etc. 16 Candles fame. Uh, and it's an early one. Um, it's. And the guy, the guy's like kind of like a bounty hunter and he's going around different places. And there are like sort of like backwater, like barbarian tribes on this planet. Um, really bad special effects, really total schlock crap. Uh, I highly recommend. <laughs> that sounds absolutely awesome. And speaking of barbarians, what's best in life? Uh, sleep. I mean, I know the actual rule is, you know, killing people and watching them suffer and cry um i'm not the biggest conan movie fan like i like conan comics like savage sword of conan like like bushima drawing conan some of my favorite shit but yeah i'm not really a conan movie guy all right that will conclude this interview thanks okay i'm standing here with someone new so uh, just a quick reality check who are you and what are you doing here at gen con uh my name is walton wood uh i was invited by 
Brian Collin to co-moderate the Merc Bory third-party publishing panel. Uh, and I'm also here just to see the sites and get the lay of the land because this is my very first Gen Con. All right. Uh, it is for us too. So, uh, Okay, so you're uh, editing a lot of uh, game books uh, these days and uh, obviously you're a hardcore language nerd. So is there a grammatical rule or quirk of the English language that you think more writers should be aware of? The entire English language is a quirk. <laughs> um, that the the best I can do say is read as much as you can and observe what the writers do and how they do it because English is such an incredibly varied language and it has so much influence from French and uh, German, uh, Old German, uh, Greek and Latin. Um, it's such a mishmash of languages, it's hard to pick out one thing that is especially quirky and undernoted. So uh, my best advice is read a lot, read often, and watch what the writers do and learn from that. Right, but I'm still gonna pick up on one specific thing. Uh, Oxford comma, yes or no? Yes, uh, in my opinion, it helps eliminate potential ambiguity in a lot of situations, not universally. A lot of the time, the meaning comes through, but I still think in general and in principle, it's uh, a useful tool to use. All right, so commas aside, uh, so you've been a key member of the Mercaborg community as a curator of uh, third-party titles with uh, this tool or website called Ex Libris. Uh, now you're actually doing the same also for other games. So could you just introduce Ex Libris and uh, tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, so it started uh, very shortly after the Mercbori third-party license launched. And I saw stuff coming out and I knew that it was going to, first of all, probably get lost in the shuffle on platforms, social media, wherever it appeared. There's no way everyone is going to be able to find all of the content that's being produced. Uh, I also felt it would be helpful for people to have sort of a guide if I'm looking for a specific thing to put in my campaign or my game. Uh, how am I supposed to sift through all of this and find it? So I had the idea of aggregating everything and doing really short write-ups to give an idea of what the content is, what the graphic design style is, and just give an overview of it. And originally it was on WordPress and it was a really terrible platform as more and more content got added. So uh, actually a little over a year ago, I got in touch with uh, some web developers, and in particular, uh, John Bannister. And he, with uh, advice from um, Hecate Lunasri and Benjamin Sherwood and Derek Gustafson and, um, oh God, who am I forgetting? Matt McGlincy. Um, but it was prim John's primarily the architect, but everyone contributed. And he built this platform from the ground up. Uh, it's searchable, the entries are taggable. And it's just a way more efficient way of presenting all of this content that's floating around and linking to it and making sure that it's discoverable and also it doesn't get lost. So we started out with Merkbori because we already had that directory built, but now we've got Mouse Ritter in the works, uh, Cyborg is coming up, Vast Grim, uh, down we go. And we're also looking at ways to try to aggregate all of the Troika content that is already out there and uh, we're always looking for curators. If someone's really interested in curating a directory of content for their favorite game, uh, they can totally get in touch with us. 
uh, on the uh, Ex Libris RPG Discord in particular. But um, yeah, we want to do the same thing for as many different games and systems as we possibly can. That's certainly a very noble effort. Uh, so switching topics a bit, uh, what's uh, one game that you think doesn't get enough recognition that more people should be reading or playing? Oh man, that is a tough question. Um, can I do two? All right, one is uh, Jason Morningstar's game, The Shabaliri Roach, which is a very Lovecraftian uh, sort of comedic horror game set in a 1920s university where, uh, you know, an ancient god in the form of a roach is manipulating the faculty uh, to do heinous and devious things. And I think it's just a really creative concept and it's a fun game. And uh, the other one is Kingdoms by Sophia Tenney. Uh, it was really heavily influenced by Mert Bory. It blends a lot of different games like Kingdom Death and um, Into the Odd together. The art is fantastic. It's incredibly fun to play. And it's just a, a really different RPG because a character definitively isn't going to survive past one session. You're going to be playing a dynasty and not just one character. And I thought that was a really fresh way to play a game. All right. So Shabal Hiri Roach by Jason Morningstar and uh, Kingdoms by Sophia Tinney. Yes, I've actually played the, the Roach game. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, love it. Yes, so finally, uh, what's the best movie about barbarians? I'm biased because I just watched it last week, but I've got to say um, Alexi German's uh, 2013 Hard to Be a God, because uh, everyone in there is a barbarian. The people on the planet are barbarians, and the this so-called sophisticated scientists sent there to study them also become barbarians in the process. And it's, um, I don't know, I think it's a really cool contrast between those two different ideas of barbarism. <laughs> finally, finally, what's, uh, speaking of barbarians, uh, what's best in life? You really expect me to remember that offhand? <laughs> <laughs> Killing your friends in Merkbori. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm standing here with uh, someone new. So who are you and uh, why are you here at Gen Con? Uh, I'm Chris Bissett and I am here at Gen Con I don't know. <laughs> I got lost on my way from Chicago and ended up here. So now I'm here to just like hang out with you guys and play some games and spend far too much money, basically. Yeah, I think a lot of us can uh, identify with that. <laughs> uh, so you've uh, written, for example, this game called Wretched, uh, Wretched and Alone. And uh, so maybe you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah, sure. Uh, the Wretched is a solo journaling game about dying alone in space. Um, it's basically a ripoff of Alien. You are the last survivor on a ship that's been attacked by an alien, all your crew are dead, and you're trying to restart the engines or get rescued before the alien breaks onto the ship and eats you. Um, spoiler alert, you won't. <laughs> and you play it by kind of drawing prompts and recording an audio log that represents every day on the ship as you try and work towards your freedom. All right, so uh, I do know that there are a lot of uh, hacks of this game. So do you have like a license or how, how do you go about it if you want to uh, make a wretched hack? Yeah, um, Matt Sanders, who runs the Sealed Library, wrote a, like, a system reference document for it called Wretched and Alone. Um, I mean, it's similar to the Mokborg license. You put some text in the front saying, Chris had nothing to do with this game. <laughs> anything bad in it is my fault and then you just publish it and it's you know you do whatever you want 
Yeah, all right, sounds good. Uh, I also know that there are uh, there's a Jenga tower involved in this game. So <laughs> why? How did you come up with that? <laughs> um, it's a good question. I wrote it at the beginning of um, like lockdowns at the beginning of the pandemic, and. So I was playing a lot of solo games on my own and when I was getting bored I was playing Jenga on my own at work on my desk because I, I worked I had nothing to do and um, I'd also been playing like running a lot of Dread before the pandemic um, and I wanted a game that was like my pitch for The Wretched was I want to write a game that feels to play like a John Carpenter soundtrack feels like to listen to. So I wanted that like rising tension. And um, yeah, Jenga Towers just make people shit themselves. <laughs> when it wobbles, you see people go like, oh no, oh no, don't fall. And it's just, I don't know, I was, I was kind of, I don't know if I can swear on your podcast or not. I was just sort of fucking about and taking the piss, but then it actually worked really well. So I went with it. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Uh, so this is a quite uh, uh, small book. It's really easy to get started. So how do you, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, writing uh, RPG products or modules and, and making them being really accessible and easy to get started with? Uh, how do you reason about that? Um, I think I just think about, like my only frame of reference is what do I need when I pick up a new game or a new module? Um, where are the places where I struggle to understand things or use them and what tools would I want and I just sort of I write a book that will be easy for me to use and then I hope that it's easy for other people to use um, so stuff like when I did Treasures of the Troll King like you guys did the minimap in Rockblack's Lodge on every page and I was like yeah that's that's really cool bastards thanks for doing that before <laughs> I could uh, so I do that in all my modules now because I'm a thief ultimately <laughs> just, I just I steal the bits from other things that work really well um, and that are useful for me and then I put them in my stuff so that hopefully they're useful for other people I think uh, everyone who designs can uh, identify with that actually <laughs> uh, so speaking of dungeons uh, what's actually the best what's, what's one monster that you can't live without uh gelatinous cubes <laughs> i love them they're they're really shit but they're really great and there's so like years ago i was running a game for some players who'd never played any sort of dungeon game before and i was like i want them to have a really traditional dungeon experience and so like i gave them like a 10 foot corridor that was completely clean and they were like what's going on here and they stepped into the cube and they're like there was actual screaming when they got eaten and then like 10 weeks later when there were higher levels i dropped another empty chamber in with a cube and they were all like wait a goddamn minute and like that moment is just really special and when you run for people who know what it is it's a really fun thing to put in the game and have everyone like react to at the table yeah. um and when people don't know what it is they learn really quickly and that's fun for me so yeah, yeah i love the weird little slimy things <laughs> me too i actually played a dungeon once where my character just opened a door and whoops on that other side of the door was a black pudding and uh that was it for me <laughs> yeah. yeah accidentally enlarged the black pudding with a, a wand of wonder by accident so we had two, a giant black pudding that ate our entire party that was the end of our campaign a few years ago it was really fun <laughs> that sounds great uh, so switching topics here what, uh, is there a game that you think deserves more recognition and uh, yeah uh, I 
really I'm running a lot of Troika at the moment and like it's not a small game it's got a really dedicated fan base but like I would love to see it really become a game that a lot of people play and talk about um partly that's nostalgia like it's based on advanced fighting fantasy and that was a system that I played a lot of as a kid um but it's also just really fun and everyone who works on it is really great like and like like guys like Luke Gearing are writing some of the best modules in the business um and I just you know D&D &D are releasing Spelljammer and like why would you play Spelljammer when you could play Troika instead is my question like play Troika it's fucking great alright thanks for that thanks Chris <laughs> you're welcome alright so we're standing here with a very special someone so could you just for our lit listeners introduce yourself uh, who are you what are you, what are you doing here at Dencon? I'm Kenneth Height, uh, role-playing game designer, Trail of Cthulhu Knights, Black Agents, Vampire That Masquerade 5th Edition. I'm here with Pelgrane Press. Uh, basically, I'm the dancing inflatable guy at the used car lot. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, so you do a lot of Cthulhu stuff. Uh, so what's your favorite outer or elder god or anything in that category? I think I've got to go with my standard answer, which is Sathagwa, because, you know, like Nirlathotep, he likes to mess with you. But unlike Nirlathotep, he doesn't want to get out of bed to do it. So, you know, he's he's the kind of elder guy. He's got a sense of humor. He's a big fuzzy bat or maybe a big glob of slime. You know, you like all those things. He hangs out in Oklahoma. That's where I'm from. What's not to love, right? <laughs> That's a fantastic answer. All right. So switching topics. Uh, so GMing, what's your best GMing tip? Just out of the blue. Uh, the best tip is the roller coaster structure. It's the absolute killer, works every time structure for like a horror or any kind of suspense or thriller game. It's basically you start it up, you're noticing stuff, maybe things are going wrong, you don't know what's happening, it's ratcheting up, tick, 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 tick. You build it up, you build it up, you build it up, and then at the, at the moment, at the climax, maybe 45 minutes before the end of the session, boom, you go over the top, zoom down to the bottom, everyone's screaming and yelling, that's how you do it. It's slow build, then sudden release. That's why roller coasters work. That's why horror movies work. And it's not the only way to run a role-playing game. It's not the only way to run a horror scenario, but it kills for a reason because it's programmed into us as primates, basically. Yes, I think we all lo uh, love that feeling of a free fall down into something. Uh, okay, so switching topics again. Barbarian movies. So what's your f favorite barbarian movie? I mean, you have to say John Milius's Conan the Barbarian, the absolute classic, the Citizen Kane of the barbarian movie genre. <laughs> but if I'm picking a favorite barbarian movie, just one that I really dig, uh, it's something like Ravenous, the uh, uh, Wendigo Western. That uh, takes, it strips the humanity of the barbarian. It makes it a purely terrifying outside figure that then comes in. You fear your own self becoming the barbarian, turns the barbarian both into werewolf and into a, a kind of a, a spiritual state. And that's, that's how to make a barbarian important as opposed to just, oh, look, that guy's got a bigger sword than that other guy. Well, good fun. <laughs> that's a fantastic answer. So speaking of barbarians, final question. What's best in life? Um, you know, kill your enemies, um, uh, see them flee before you, hear the praises of people who also hated your enemies. That's good stuff. <laughs> That's a great answer. Thank you. Thank you, man. Well, my name is Matthias Jonsson Hake. I'm a game designer and editor and whatnot at Free League Publishing. Uh, so I'm here manning the booth and uh, trying to 
encourage people to buy some really nice Swedish role-playing games. Yes, uh, I think uh, many of our listeners know who you are. Uh, so you're, of course, working on Symbarum a lot, and you're actually finishing up a colossal six-book campaign for Symbarum, which will uh, probably offer years and years of play, uh, probably for many carrying into the retirement. So how did you manage to keep it all together during the writing of this? And what will you actually fill the void with after it's done? A really tough two-part question. Um, let's start with, with your the first part. Um, I, I try to manage to keep it together by leaving quite a lot of room for the game masters and the players to make the adventures their own. Meaning that if I screw up somewhere, uh, forget about stuff that I wrote like six or seven years ago, it is no, not that big a deal because they can always, you know, adapt, uh, adapt adventures to their, the stories they want to play, uh, tell and, uh, and the, the ambitions and goals of their characters. Uh, other than that, it's 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 uh, when I, I'm writing the the final episode now. It's a lot of flipping through the old books. I also have the PDFs open all the time, so I can do quick searches for something that I might have forgotten. So, yeah. But in in the end, uh, writing a big uh, chronicle for an RPG is mostly about providing the the gaming group with tools to tell their story so i'm sure that by the end we will have a gazillion versions of this chronicle being played at different tables around the globe all right and what will you do yeah, yeah. uh there's gonna be a void there so yeah, yeah, yeah. what's uh, happening there i can tell you that i have just finished uh, the script for the final uh, episode in swedish so it's going to into translation and um, right now I'm struggling not to lo lose fo focus because I need to keep that all the way to through post-production until I see it on the shelf. What happens then, I can tell you, and this is, okay, I, I'm getting a little bit emotional actually because this is a big deal for me, obviously. Uh, it is maybe the most important work I've done all my life in terms of writing and creating something. and. I might just, it might be that I stop writing stuff altogether, at least adventures. Uh, uh, because, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens come uh, early 2023. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, somewhat related to the last question. What's your best uh, GMing tip? Oh, uh, never see okay I'm, I'm going to give a tip that has to do with playing written adventures and uh, written rules uh, never ever see them as laws see them as suggestions both in terms of, of the rules of a game house rule all you want make the game your own the same with, with the stories told with the help of the pre-made adventures. Be sure that you adapt everything from settings to events to NPCs to fit the, the, the story that you and your buddies wanna wanna see play out around your table. 
Sounds good. And of course, as a GM, you have to think about the monsters as well. So we've asked a lot of people what their favorite monsters are. And we're going to ask you the same question. What's your favorite monster, but from the Swedish role-playing tradition? Uh, okay, that actually made it harder. The Swedish... No, um, the monster I'm thinking of, which is my absolute favorite monster, you can find in quite a lot of RPGs, not only from Sweden, but it it's always has the same name too, which makes it kind of interesting that way. It's the human being. <laughs> yeah. My absolute favorite monster. <laughs> That's a valid answer. I have, have seen several bad human beings in Swedish role playing games. Uh, so, uh, speaking of uh, humans and uh, maybe barbarians, what's best in life? Damn, you hit me, blindsided me with that one. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm only, I'm turning 50 this year. So I have a lot of learning left to do in my life. But maybe uh, <clears throat> after three days of convention, uh, rest, relaxation and a cold drink. 